Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage, Chapter 5, at the Carolina Raceway. Lavender leaned across the seat of his 1955 GMC pickup and pushed the door open. I hopped up on the running board and dove in. Hey, I said. Hey, yourself. The truck bumped into gear as he eased off the clutch. Truck looks good, I told him. It was true. Lavender found her in a junkyard last year. He restored her piece by piece and dressed her broad curves in a coat of deep blue paint. I scooted forward to scan the roadside. Dale ought to be out here somewhere, I said at the edge of town. There he is, by the crash pine. Dale jumped in almost before we stopped rolling. Sorry about the mud, he muttered, scraping his black sneakers together. I glanced at the creek's dark waters. I could just make out Dale's bike on the bank, hidden in a tangle of kudzu. How'd you get your feet wet? Lavender asked. I changed the subject before Mr. Jussie's boat came up, which it would if Dale started talking. Hey, you reckon that's where the colonel found me? I asked, peering over the bridge rail, because I want a good description for my autobiography. You're what? Dale yelped, looking like I'd handed him something dead. You ain't writing during summer vacation, are you? He demanded. Better, because I'm pretty sure that's against the rules. Aren't there rules against that, Lavender? Lavender shifted gears. Calm down, Dale. Moe's doing research, that's all. Again? Dale said, his voice accusing. You try to figure out your life every time you get close to a birthday, Mo, and you ain't done it yet. I wish you'd leave it alone, he said, slumping against the door. I'm tired of hearing about it. There's nothing wrong with the people you got. Well, others are interested in the mystery of my upstream family, even if you ain't, I said, pulling the newspaper article from my pocket. I cleared my throat and read, Baby girl found. Mason Johnson of Tupelo Landing found a newborn girl at the edge of... Contentnia Creek last Tuesday while helping a man who had wrecked in the hurricane. The old coot in the colonel's uniform was holding the baby when I found him, Johnson said. Said he found the baby floating downstream on some debris. He named her Moses. She's darn lucky to be alive, if you ask me. Anyone with information about the man who had the name Lobo on his pocket or the baby should contact Mayor Little. Yep, that sounds like Mason, Lavender said. I'm surprised there's not more about the colonel, though. He's got his own article, I said, slipping the story back into my pocket and buttoning the flap. Miss Lana's keeping it for him. Dale looked back over his shoulders. Daddy was right, Mo. You were lucky to get out of that creek alive. Mo's always been lucky, Lavender said. The truck chugged good-naturedly through her gears and settled into a steady hum. An hour later, we rumbled across grassy, rutted acres of parked pickup trucks and through the gate, the crew gate of the Carolina Wasteway. Lavender let the GMC glide to a halt. Here you go, little brother, he said, pulling a $20 bill out of his pocket. You two get us some eats and meet me in the infield. He stretched. Listen, Sam brought a couple of ladies, so don't skimp on the food, okay? Don't worry about drinks. We brought a cooler. All right? Can you handle it? Sure, Dale said, stepping out onto the running board. I slid out after him. Let's see, Dale muttered as we headed for the concession stand line which wound down the drinking side of the bleachers and halfway across the family seats. You, me, Lavender, Sam, two ladies, that makes six. Don't waste your money buying food for those girls, I told him. If I know Sam, he's brought a couple of ex-baton twirlers trying to starve themselves into cheerleader-sized jeans. I peered at the line ahead of us. Hey, I'm going over to Potty Palace. I'll be back before you get to the front of the line. Dale nodded, straining to see the menu board, and I trotted into the crowd. I got my first shock of the evening just after exiting Potty Palace. 
I rounded the corner at near Olympic speed, slamming square into a tall, slender woman who wheezed like an out-of-sorts accordion. I careened off of her, jumped a medium-sized azalea, got my feet tangled, and landed in a crumpled heap by the gravel walk. "'Jeez Louise, lady!' I shouted. "'Why don't you look where you're going?' "'I was looking, Mo,' the woman said, trying to stand up straight. "'Were you?' "'What?' I rolled onto my back and squinted in a shockingly familiar face. Miss Retzel, my fifth grade teacher from last year. She's also my sixth grade teacher for next year, having suffered the dreaded curse of the combined grades. Miss Retzel, you should be careful. You could have killed us both. She smoothed her starched white blouse, then her hair. I sighed. The truth is, I adore Miss Retzel, who is tall and willowy, with red hair and brown eyes. She's smart and poised and always on time. She has an average house and drives a dark blue convertible. When it comes to predictable, a quality rare in my life, she's the real deal. Plus, she likes me. I cast about in my mind for something brilliant to say. Sadly, I came up empty. Good Lord, I muttered instead, pointing to her legs. What are those? She stepped back nervously, looking at her sandals. What do you mean? Knees, I answered. You got knees, she frowned. Of course I have knees, Mo. Everybody has knees. Right, but I never saw them before. You always wear those old lady dresses and, and shorts, I cried. Miss Retzel, you're wearing shorts? She smiled uncertainly. Are you all right, Mo? Did you hit your head? I'm fine, I said, swiping the gravel off my shins. What are you doing here? I'm here for the races. Really? Dale's brother is in the next one. Me and Dale are timing laps for him. Dale and I, she murmured. Right. You remember Dale? Third row, fifth seat from the front, blonde hair, bad at math, wears a lot of black. Of course I remember Dale. His brother Lavender drives the 32 car. I'll be sure to watch for him, she said, edging away. Well, this has been nice, Mo, but my friend is waiting and... Friend? I gasped. You got friends? I figured when the school year ended, you'd go home and watch TV and maybe read. I never considered friends. She smiled. Of course I have friends, Mo. See you soon, she said, and faded into the crowd. I wound my way back to Dale, who stood just one person away from the concession stand. You won't believe who I ran into, I said. Miss Retzel. That's nothing, he said. Look over there. I followed his gaze. The second shock of the evening fell like an axe. Miss Retzel and Joe Starr, he said, his voice grim. Detective Joe Starr handed Miss Retzel a hot dog and smiled. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. Miss Retzel and Joe Starr, together? Had the world gone mad? What do you have, baby doll? The lady behind the counter rasped, her cat-like, her cat-eye glasses sliding down her narrow nose as she glanced at Dale. Six fried bologna sandwiches, three orders of fries, and as many M&Ms as I can get with whatever's left, he said, pushing the $20 bill toward her. You want anything else, Mo? I got a reward money for Mr. Jesse, he said, tugging his pocket open to show off two $5 bills. I snagged a five and shook my head. We made our way to the infield, clutching greasy bags of race chow. I was right behind Sam's friend, a couple of big-haired, thin-faced twins named Chrissy and Missy. They sat on lawn chairs in the back of the GMC, sipping diet seven-ups and winking at Lavender and Sam. Dale stepped gallantly forward. Care for a bologna sandwich? Chrissy peered into the bag. No, thank you, sugar. We're dieting. But you're so sweet. I could eat you with a spoon. Dale turned red as their nail polish, shoved his bag at me, and bolted for lavender. 
I sauntered behind him, queen of the eats. Watch the inside of the fourth turn, Sam was saying over by the car. It's running loose. You're liable to slide. Lavender grabbed a sandwich. Mo, Dale, I want you two on the truck. With the twins, Buffy and Muffy? I asked passing fries to Sam. Their names are Chrissy and Missy, and I'm not marrying either one of them, so play nice, he said. Dale, I'd like for you to time the laps, he said, handing him a stopwatch. No rounding off, Mo. I need the times in this ledger. Please, ma'am. I want to see how we're running lap by lap, okay? I nodded. Dale stuck out his hand. You can count on us. Lavender hid a flicker of surprise. I know I can, he said, shaking his hand. That's why I asked you. As Dale and I settled on the GMC's tailgate, our backs to the twins, Lavender stepped into his well-patched race suit, wiggling it over his hips and shrugging it across his shoulders. He clamped his helmet on, swung his legs in through the driver's side window of number 32, and fishtailed onto the track. Look, I said, elbowing Dale. Across the way, Star plowed through the tide of race fans like a tugboat, Miss Retzel bobbing along in his wake. They're going to miss the race, I said as they exited the gate. I caught a flash of siren blue light in the parking lot. I hope Miss Retzel ain't under arrest, I gasped as the siren wailed. For what, Dale asked. Bad taste in boyfriends? Lavender jostled in the pack, revving his engine. He's heading to the starting line, Dale shouted. Here we go. The flag fell. The night roared. The race was on. Dale called out the times, lap after lap. On the 28th lap, Sam waved Lavender in, shouting and pointing at the rear left tire. Lavender slammed his palm against the dash and roared back into the race, tires screaming. Sam stomped over and grabbed a soda from the cooler. What's wrong? Dale asked. Why's Lavender mad? Oh, Sam fumed. It's probably nothing. That rear left tire won't look right and your brother's so damn stubborn. He took a deep breath. Don't pay any attention to me, Dale. Lavender's right. I worry more than your mama does. The crash came three laps later. Lavender skidded sideways through the fourth turn, his back tires billowing smoke. The crowd rose like a thousand open-mouthed puppets played by the same string. And I held my breath as Lavender hung sideways on the track, sliding, 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 cars swerving miraculously by. Finally, the number 45 car clipped his bumper, spinning him headfirst under the concrete barrier by the stands. The night fell into slow motion as Lavender's car somersaulted down the wall, bounced right, side up, and wobbled to the infield. I found myself running toward him before I knew I was standing. Dale sprinted past and lunged through the driver's window. He and Sam pulled Lavender free, but he lay still in their arms as the EMTs rushed toward them. Half hour later, Lavender sat in the rescue truck door. Doc Aiken turned, turning his arm in flat yellow light. It's a wonder you walked away from that crash, Doc said. You could use some stitches in this arm. You got insurance? Lavender winced. Are you kidding? Just tape it up, Doc. Doc nodded. I'll give you some antibiotics then. As for your head, he said, tilting Lavender's head back and shining a pin light in his eye again. What's wrong with his head? Dale asked, his voice wavering. He had barely spoken since Lavender came to sputtering and kicking on Doc's gurney. Doc's a waltz of a man, tall as Lavender and twice as wide, but he gave Dale a kind smile. He may have a concussion, he said. It's too soon to tell. He fished his card out of his wallet and stuck it in Lavender's shirt pocket. He needs to rest, but if he can't stay awake or starts throwing up, you call me and I'll meet you at the hospital, pronto. Insurance or not, understand? Dale and I nodded like dashboard hogs. Dogs. Now, Lavender, where are you headed from here? Lavender was watching Sam winch what was left of the race car onto the flatbed truck. 
I thought I'd take my crew home and go by Sam's. Doc followed his gaze. Nope, no alcohol, no women, especially no twins. Dale touched Lavender's hand. You could stay at the house, he said, just for tonight. Mama would be glad of it, and Daddy probably wouldn't mind. Excellent, Doc said. Here's my offer, then. Go to your mother's with my appointed deputy here, or go to the hospital. Deputies, I repeated, standing tall. Are badges involved? It's your choice, Lavender, Doc said. What's it going to be? Lavender frowned. I guess one night at home won't kill me, he muttered. Good. Of course you're not driving with a head injury, so... I felt it coming. A phone call to the colonel, begging him to collect us up like a pack of slick-nosed kids. I had to act fast. Actually, Doc, I said, those big-haired twins over there are pining to drive us home. Chrissy can take us three in the GMC and Missy's wild to drive the flatbed if Sam's too upset. Those twins are willing, plus they're sober, they're sober out of their minds from sipping Diet 7-Up all night. Don't take my word for it. Give them a blood test, I don't mind. Work like a charm. You sure you know how to drive this truck? Lavender asked Chrissy a few minutes later. She slid behind the wheel of the GMC. Because she's a classic and... Ready, I shouted, plopping down beside Dale and leaning against the cab. Chrissy ground the gears and we lunged into the night. Dale and I dozed until an artless downshift woke us at the outskirts of town. Must be taking the shortcut over Fool's Bridge, Dale yawned, peeking around the cab. Swirling blue lights swept the night. Looks like a roadblock. Maybe they're breathalyzing everybody, I said. He shook his head. Nah, too many lights. Cop lights, rescue lights, headlights, an accident maybe, he said. Looks like they're turning people back. Sure enough, a white Cadillac purred up the narrow road toward us and oozed to a stop. The window whirred down. Pinched face Mrs. Betsy Simpson, the mother of my arch enemy, Anna Celeste, squinted in the dark. Hey, Mrs. Simpson, I said. It's Mo. How are you? Mo, she said, her eyes following the GMC's line. In a jalopy. Not my taste exactly, but how nice for you. Mean runs in the Simpson family. It ain't a jalopy. It's a classic, I said. Whatever it is, you might as well turn it around, she said, glancing at Chrissy. Fool's Bridge is closed. The police won't let you through. Closed, Dale said. Why? What happened? But her window whirred back up and she was gone. Chrissy did a surprisingly nice three-point turn and we detoured to Miss Rose's house. As we lurched to a stop, Dale vaulted over the side of the truck. Y'all wait out here while I see if Daddy's up, he said. Sorry to ruin your plans, sugar, Chrissy said, hopping out. But I got to pee. So does Missy, I'm sure, she said, as Missy wheeled into the drive. The four of us traipsed onto the front porch where Dale held the screen door for the twins. Mama, he called, I'm home. Miss Rose sat in her armchair, scribbling on a legal pad and listening to the radio. Hey, baby, she said without glancing up. How'd it go? Evening, Miss Rose, I said, stepping into the lamplight. Hello, Mo. She saw the twins for the first time. My goodness, she said, jumping to her feet. I didn't realize you'd brought company home, Dale. They ain't Dale's friends. They're Sam's, I said. Miss Rose, I'd like to introduce you to twins. This one's Chrissy and that one's Missy. Or the other way around. I'm pleased to meet you, she said. Won't you sit down? They can't, I said. They got to pee. I pointed to the hall. Bathroom's on your right. The light switches the hallway by the door. Miss Rose, I continued, I think you'd better sit down yourself. Dale nodded encouragingly, and Miss Rose drifted to the settee. Miss Rose is the most graceful person I know. Mama, where's Daddy? Dale asked. Miss Rose hesitated. He's resting? Dale looked relieved. In Lavender's old room? She nodded. Daddy's, Dale's daddy sleeps in Lavender's room when he's had too much to drink because Miss Rose can't stand having him around her. 
I know that because Dale told me. It's not something Miss Rose and me talk about. Sleeping pretty sound, he asked. Sleeping pretty sound is their code for passed out cold. She nodded slowly. What's this about, she asked. Let me tell her, Dale, I said. The way you tell things, you'll kill her. Tell me what, she asked, her green eyes suspicious. I took a deep breath. Miss Rose, I hate to mention it, but your firstborns crashed headfirst into a cement wall at maybe a hundred miles an hour, which we can all be grateful. Hard-headedness runs in your family. He's outside right now, hoping his daddy will let him in without any nastiness, and we're hoping he don't get medically no worse, because Doc Aiken says if he gets concussion, we got to rush him to the hospital. Dale and me are a doctor appointed in this, I concluded. Miss Rose was already halfway across the room. Lavender Shade Johnson, you get yourself in this house is this instant, she said, pushing the screen door open. Lavender stepped in, looking embarrassed. Hey, Mama, he said. She gasped. The bruise on his forehead had run dark, hungry fingers to his eyes. You sit down, she said, pushing him onto the settee. Dale, get me a towel and some ice and bring a pillow off my bed. She leaned down to tug Lavender's boots off, pausing when she got a look at his socks, one gray and one black. Thank God you didn't have to go to the hospital, she said. Where's Dale? Where's the ice? Hey, Miss Rose, Sam said, stepping gingerly into the room. Can I help? Miss Rose stood up and slugged him in the arm hard. You've done enough, she said. Getting my son into racing? What on earth were you thinking? Lavender grinned. Me get him into racing? Sam said, rubbing his arm and backing toward the door. Miss Rose, I never. He might have been killed, she snapped. That's the truth, I added. Doc Aiken said so, more or less. And who's responsible for those twins, she demanded as the toilet flushed. What do you have to say for yourself, Sam Quinterly? I, what I mean is, I'll just show the ladies out the back way, he said, edging toward the hall door. Well, don't wake up Lavender's daddy, she said, and don't you drive either. You smell like a brewery. And get Dale to, tell Dale to get in here with that ice. Yes, ma'am, he said. Mo, you want to ride home? Go on, Mo, Lavender said, winking. You saved me enough for one day. Wait, I said, grabbing Miss Rose's hand. Let me call the colonel and see if I can stay over. Please, I begged. I'm doctor appointed. For the first time since Lavender walked through the door, Miss Rose actually looked at me. Her face softened and she reached up to brush the hair from my eyes. Sometimes I think you love Lavender near as much as I do, she said. Gag me, Dale said, handing his mother a towel full of ice. Call the colonel then, she told me. Tell him you're invited. I darted across the room and scooped up the phone. The colonel answered on the first ring. This is the colonel, he said. Speak to me. Hey, colonel, I said. It's Mo. Soldier, he said. Where are you? I'm at Dale's. I'm invited to spend the night and I want you home, he said. Yes, sir. The thing is, I want you home now. That's an order. I see. Hold on a second, sir. I covered the mouthpiece. Miss Rose, I said. The colonel would like to speak with you to work out the details of my visit. Miss Rose glided toward me, reaching for the phone. Good evening, Colonel, she said. I hope you're well. We'd be delighted for Mo to stay with us tonight if... She nodded as she listened, her smile fading away. I see, she said, finally said. Sam is just leaving. I'll send her with him. Her face went ashen. No, I hadn't heard. Her knees buckled and she sank onto the high back chair by the phone. Certainly, she said. I'll keep her safe until you arrive. She let the phone clatter into its cradle, and a sharp-edged silence filled the room. "'What's wrong?' Lavender asked, swinging his feet to the floor. For a moment, she looked at us if we were strangers. "'There's been a murder at Fool Fool's Bridge,' she said, her voice distant and off-pitch. "'Jesse Tatum is dead.' "'Mr. Jesse?' I yelped. "'Our Mr. Jesse?' "'Who killed him?' Lavender asked. 
They don't know who killed him or why, or where the murderer is, for that matter, she said, glancing toward the door. They found Jesse's body adrift in his own rowboat, the one somebody stole. When was it? Monday? Tuesday? I looked at Dale. The blood fell from his face in a single swift curtain as Lavender stood up, crossed the room, and locked the door.